Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you're at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you so much and welcome, friends, to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your host, and I'm so thrilled that you tuned in today because I've got an extremely exciting guest here with me in the studio. It's so good to have Trevor Lane here with us. Trevor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It's good to be here. Yeah, and Trevor's got just an incredible story that you're going to want to hear here in the next few minutes. But let me just kind of tell you a little bit about Trevor. Well, first of all, he's a student at God's Bible School and College. You're in your senior year, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And he's done this program completely online through their own online program. In fact, I've had you for, what, three or four classes. Yes, sir. I've taught you online. So we won't hold that against you. Uh, he is currently employed and works at Ohio Christian University on, on in the kitchen crew there. He is a speaker. He travels and speaks in churches. He is actually an author, and we will talk at the close of the podcast. We'll talk about his book that he has published entitled Victorious On and Beyond the Mat. What a great book. And thank you for the copy, by the way. You're welcome. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, but in, on top of everything that he does, Trevor is a person who lives every day with something called cerebral palsy. And yet, he's living an exciting, hope-filled, joy-filled life. Trevor, we're glad you're here today. You're here to tell your story. And so I'd like for you to take all of our listeners on a journey and go back and tell them your story and your words for us today. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. So my journey begins on uh, November 26th, 1997. Um, My mom's water broke suddenly and uh, she had to be rushed to the hospital. And uh, turns out, you know, she was going to going into labor and she was going to have her baby boy soon. But uh, it was a little early because I wasn't supposed to be born until March 16th, 1998. And so, as you can imagine, my parents are freaked out. Um, my sure. doctors are scared. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, they just don't know what, what to do. And so I ended up being born four months premature. And my doctors told my parents... Um, he, you know, he'll be lucky to survive. Wow. And, and even if he does survive, uh, he'll never be able to walk. He'll never talk. He'll never amount to anything. He'll just sit in a wheelchair his entire life That's and incredible. require 24-7 care. Wow. Well, I'm sure your parents have talked about it before. What, what was going through their minds at that time? At that uh, point? They were... They were scared to death because they had they had no idea what was going to happen. All all that they had to go by was the prognosis that the doctor gave them, right? And it wasn't good. Yeah. And so 
while I was in the hospital, um, I had uh, a grade three brain bleed. Um, I went septic. Uh, my lungs had collapsed wow. three times, and they had to resuscitate. On top of being four months preemie, right? On top of being four months premature. Uh, my kidneys weren't developed. Um, n nothing really was ready. So, so I had to spend about three months in the NICU. And uh, What hospital were you located in? I was born in Mount Carmel, but I went back and forth between Nationwide Children's and Mount Carmel. Gotcha. Hospital. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, but, but by the grace of God, I made it out of the NICU. And that's so amazing. that's yeah. that's one hurdle, and uh, but you still have this diagnosis of cerebral palsy that's mm -hmm. looming over your head, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine from my parents' perspective. Okay, now what? Now what do you do Absolutely. with this? Right. So, because um, they're they're still thinking that I'm going to be a vegetable, and so they're preparing for that. Well. By the time I was two years old, um, I started using a walker to get around. And um, I had some assist assisted devices to help me. Mm -hmm. I had what are called AFOs, which are basically they, they're braces for your feet. Okay. And okay. Um, I was re receiving Botox injections. Mm -hmm. Now, Botox injections, you, you've, probably, you've probably heard of getting Botox as kind of like a facelift. Sure, sort of thing. that's whatever. Yeah, right. Um, but what they what they used Botox for me was uh, they they would take a needle that was about this long. Like, you're looking like what two inches, maybe? Yeah, yeah. It, it it was a pretty good sized needle, and they would uh, jam it into my calf muscle. Wow. Well, after, well, after they got the needle in the in the muscle, they had to dig it around to find the right spot where they wanted to inject it. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, I was not sedated for this. So I, I, I was awake and felt every bit of it, and it was not comfortable at all. You still remember it. I still remember it. That's even, how painful it was. Even though I was so young, I was probably, I can remember, you know, being probably three or four, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. I mean, it, it was that uh, pertinent. Mm -hmm. But th those shots did help me to a degree, but there came a point in time where um, uh, my muscles were getting very spastic mm. and uh, the Botox wasn't helping, you know, therapy wasn't helping a whole lot. And so my doctor uh, recommended that I do something called a tendon release surgery where they go in and they cut part of your hamstring tendon mm -hmm. to try to alleviate some okay. of the spasticity. And I remember that vividly too, because it was so, I mean, honestly, it was so painful, but it did help. Mm -hmm. And with that surgery, I was able to begin walking independently. And without uh, a walk, without a walk, you were about what, how yeah. old then? Three, four. I was, uh, well, a little older than that. Well, I, I skipped I skipped a little bit. So I was, after, like, as I was going through the Botox injections and mm -hmm. things like that, I started using forearm crutches. Okay. But, and then I got the surgery, and then I was able to walk independently. Amazing. Yeah. It, 
It took about six years to get to that point, though. About six years to walk. Mm-hmm. But again, they said this boy would never walk. Yep. He, that yeah. uh, I would be a vegetable. Wow. I would be lucky to survive. What, what point did they realize that mentally you were going to be okay? Uh, at what, because you're very alert, you're very intelligent, you, you know, you, so at what point, and that had to be relieving for them mm-hmm. to realize, wait a minute, our son here, he's, he's, he, he can, he can talk to us. He can, he understands what we're saying. So how did that kind of unfold for them? Yeah. So, um, when I was real young, I started preschool at two. Um, I went to a school called Brook Yates, the Brook Yates Center. Okay. And it was basically a school specifically for kids with developmental disabilities mm-hmm. because, you know, they, did, they didn't know where I was at intellectually. And as I, as I got older and progressed, you know, they, they figured out, you know, hey, I can, I can write my name. I know my shapes and numbers and the alphabet. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. they actually transitioned me out of Brook Yates into... Uh, regular public school, and uh, that 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 really began to shape um, who 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 I was, and and you know e- even today, and so I'm I'm really grateful for that. Well, I guess it was, and so suddenly now you're in the, you're in an environment where it's you recognize the fact I can learn, mm-hmm. I you know I'm and that had to be. Such a positive experience for you. When you went to public school, tell us how were you received and how did that work out for you being someone who has cerebral palsy? Yeah. So um, around five five years old is when I really started to realize that I was different from everybody else. Mm -hmm. You know, I I wasn't as fast as the other kids. Um, I, I, you know, I used, I used crutches to walk and the other kids didn't. Mm-hmm. And so that that kind of really got to me a little bit as I was first moving along. Right, right. And then, um, you know, as my kindergarten, as I progressed that year, you know, I, I, I had some really awesome kids come beside me and um, really befriend me and begin to, to help me. Because here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. My elementary school was built back in 1916. Mm-hmm. So it was built back before World War I. So as you can imagine... It was not handicap accessible, right. was it? Yeah. Right. yeah. So, so I, I had some stairs to, to climb, and right. I wasn't very good at it at the time. So, but all the, all the teachers, mm-hmm. all the staff, all the students were so accommodating and loving. And... Uh, Man, I'm 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 convinced that I wouldn't have turned out as well as I did if I did not have that support system in place. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's important. Yeah. In fact, you know, my my second grade, I was going into second grade, and the second grade is on the second floor, mm-hmm. and so and I was having trouble with stairs at the time. So um, what the principal did and what the staff did, they decided that they were going to move the second grade to the first floor and the first grade to the second floor so I wouldn't have so much trouble, you know, getting to and from class. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Wow. It, it was amazing. Yeah, you know, because you don't always hear that kind of story, Trevor. Sometimes you hear about a lot of bullying, um, people aren't accommodating, you know, 
Whereas, fortunately for you, you had this network of people who seemed to support you. Yes. And like you said, you wouldn't be here today without that support. Absolutely. So you began to develop, you began to move into school. Um, What were some of the things you became involved in during your school years? Yes, yes. So when I was real young, I started getting involved in Special Olympics. I loved it. I did... um, I did baseball, uh, track, and basketball. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and I moved into middle school, I got uh, into wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I had been begging my mom for a couple of years to be able to wrestle. And she always said no. And, but um, I'm very persistent. And so I kept, I kept asking her and begging her. And finally, the when I was getting ready to go into seventh grade and transfer to the middle school, Mm -hmm. she said, yes. And, uh, so I go out and try out and I love it. Um, I'm on the team. One thing I was worried about was, you know, how, how would I be received? Would they receive Mm -hmm. me? Well, I, it, it couldn't have went better. I mean, that's awesome. The, the teammates were, were so good to me. The coaches were, they were so patient and willing to work with me to help accommodate some of the things that I couldn't mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, my first year, I didn't win a single match. So I, I lost about 35 times in a row. And I'm thinking, all right, if I don't do well this next year, then then I'll, I'll try something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, I lost all of my matches my second year, too. And I'm thinking, all right, I'll give it one more shot. And if it doesn't work. (laughs) Three strikes and you're out, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. If it doesn't work, then I will try something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my freshman year, I I lose four matches in a row. And at this point, I'm honestly, I'm ready to, I'm ready Mm -hmm. to quit. I'm done. I'm not having any success whatsoever. Um, if nothing happens in this next match, then then I'm done. I'm, I'll I'll find something else. And wouldn't you know it? So my next match, I actually won, mm-hmm. and uh, that was probably one of the greatest feelings I've ever experienced in my life. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so that that gave me the courage to keep going. Well, then I didn't I didn't win a match my sophomore year or my junior year either. But I had the opportunity to share my story with a local news channel. Okay. And um, so I shared my story, and it, it blew up more than I ever could have imagined. I mean, we're, oh, ta- sure. we're yeah. talking hundreds of thousands of people. Wow. And, and um, I mean, I, I, I got a call. Well, my school got a call from ESPN, and they were wanting to do a, a, a documentary on me. And then also Ellen DeGeneres. At, and at the time, wow. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. But neither one of those opportunities, they, they both fell through. And so that was a little discouraging. And so I didn't win a match my senior year either. But I realized that, you know, sharing your story yes. and and inspiring people is just as just as important, if not more important, right? Than than having success in in sports. 
that is, that is so incredible because, you know, so many people are afraid of failure. And yet here you lost match after match after match. And yet you weren't really losing because there was another arena in which you were winning. Every time you went out to the mat and you did what you did, you are inspiring people to realize you can do more than you think you can do there. You know, you can't, you can't let your handicaps keep you back from living life. Right. What, Absolutely. I mean, what a powerful, and in fact, I'm looking at the, at the back of your book and it says here that through wrestling, Trevor inspired hundreds of people in his community and around the country. This is a story of what happens when faith, family, friends, and I like this and a little bit of stubbornness, Yes. Collide. Yeah. For Trevor, it was first about winning a match, but then it became so much more. Wow. That's powerful, Trevor. That's powerful. And uh, we talked a little bit about family. We talked a little bit about friends. What about faith? Yes. Talk to us about where your faith is in all of this. So uh, my sophomore year was probably the most significant of my high school years, because that's the year that I gave my life to Christ. Amen. And uh, it's it's a little unusual, but I promise you it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sitting in my bed one night, and I was scrolling through YouTube, mm-hmm. and I came across this video that said, I know the day of the rapture. And I, I believed in God. Uh, my family... Did not I did not grow up going to church. Okay. But okay. my family always held a belief in God. They just didn't, you know, follow him. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. clicked on it. And the guy said, if you do not know Jesus, then you need to repent of your sins right now. Because Jesus Christ is going to come back in October of 2013. And I looked at my calendar, and it just so happened to be October of 2013. <laughs> so I thought, oh no, yeah, I yeah. need to get right with God. And so that that's how I gave my life to Christ. I I repented of my sins right there in my bed. That's something. Yeah. Through a false prophecy of the rapture, no less. Yeah. And so God will truly do anything to get oh, our attention. Oh, I believe that, yeah. Trevor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a and it doesn't at all surprise me that because I've heard so many incredible stories of my lifetime, people who had the most bizarre ways, but somehow through that, God got a hold of them and spoke to them. And there you repented of your sins and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yes, sir. What, how did that change the direction of your life? So um, October came and went, and the rapture didn't happen. And so I kind of went through a period of, of kind of, being stagnant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I I didn't have anybody to disciple me. And so I was just kind of on my own. But then uh, I started going to church. Um, I was going to uh, New Life Church at the time. And, uh, you know, it it was a nice church, but I didn't really connect with anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was actually going with a friend of mine at the time and he decided to change churches. And we started going to a church called Crossroads Church in Circleville, Circleville, Circleville right. Ohio. Yeah, great church. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Tim Tim Throckmorton was the oh, pastor yeah, my at the buddy time. Tim. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Had Tim on the podcast. Yes, Great sir. guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, I ended up loving it. The people there were so loving and kind and receptive. And and Tim was, you know, he's a great communicator. Yes. And I, I loved I loved his preaching. But it wasn't until September of 2015, and uh, we were holding a revival, and Stan Toller was preaching. Yeah, Stan Toller, yes. And uh, so I come in, and I'm, I'm at my first revival, and I'm thinking, man, it's probably just a bunch of extra church services. So, yeah. so I didn't really go in expect my expectations weren't very high. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I don't even remember what Stan was preaching on, but what I do remember is that God got a hold of my heart, and see, and He said, "All right, are you going to be serious, mm-hmm. or are you going to go your own way?" And so I went to the altar and I prayed, and I uh, rededicated my life to God and beautiful. and beautiful. fully surrendered to Him. Yeah. And Pastor Pastor Tim came and prayed with me. It was it was just an awesome. Awesome experience. What a great God moment in your life, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And here you are at 23. Yes, sir. Yeah. About ready to graduate from Bible college with a degree in Bible and theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and you told me, too, that you're also now running a ministry there at your church, the Crossroads Church there in Cleveland, I mean, Circleville. And this is a ministry for people with disabilities. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's a growing ministry, and you're really beginning to touch lives in a special way. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. It, it's amazing. Um, when, um, and that's a, that's a cool story, too. Back in 2017, mm-hmm. um, I got um, together with Dan Coy, mm-hmm. and um, I was wrestling with this for a while. You know, I felt like God wanted me to do something. I just didn't know what it was. Right, I, right. I kind of felt in my heart that it was a disability ministry. Uh-huh. And I and I just said, God, if this is what you want me to do, then 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 you have to give me a sign. You have to mm-hmm. tell me mm-hmm. for sure for sure. And I walk into church that next Sunday. And I start striking up a conversation with a member of the church there. And and we exchanged greetings and by the end of it, before we went into the sanctuary, he said, you know, you ought to start a ministry for people with disabilities. I think you would be really good at it. <laughs> and <laughs> There's your sign, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. And, he, and, and he had no idea yes. the prayer that I prayed uh, just a few days before. That's great. And so we launched the ministry in 2017. I started out with one person, uh-huh. but uh, it's it's just grown and grown. And, of course, we've had to adapt because of COVID and right, things like sure. that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, God's just just blessing us. And, That's beautiful. Yeah. Trevor, I believe God's got a very special place in his kingdom for you, and I think this is only the beginning of the lives that you're going to touch for the glory of Jesus Christ. As we wrap up the podcast today, uh, I, want, I want you to tell people where can they find this book, Victorious, on and beyond the mat. Where can they find this great book? Yes, it is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can purchase it there, and it'll generally ship between um, one to two days. That's and great. So it'll be there. And Joni Erickson Tata yes. actually 
promotes the book here. Yeah, I see she, that she, on the front. She endorsed it for she me. She endorsed it. That's yeah. a, that's an incredible endorsement. Yeah, well, it really is. If somebody wants to connect with you, what would be the best way? Because I'm sure there's somebody out there, maybe with a disability or a friend, family member with a disability that might say, you know what, I wish you could talk to them. What would be a way for them to connect through Facebook or how would it be the best? Yeah, way? yeah, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. Just search my name, uh, Trevor Lane. Um, or you can email me at uh, godsabled, that's G-O-D-S-A-B-L-E-D-1-3 at gmail.com, and uh, I'll get back with you. All right, yeah. Trevor, thanks so much for thank coming you. today. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you God for having me. God bless you. And listeners, thank you today for listening to the Hope Along the Journey podcast. Trust has been a blessing for you. And if you think this podcast today would be a blessing for someone you know that's struggling through a disability, please share the podcast with them. As always, remember this, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. If you will only look to Jesus, he will give you joy along the journey. God bless you. And thank you again for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and would like to know more, follow us on Facebook at Hope Along the Journey or send us an email at hopealongthejourney at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you join us again for more hope along the journey.